Today is Resurrection Sunday. There's no greater time to talk about you rising above because Jesus has already been risen from the dead. Amen? If you would, open up your Bibles this morning to the, the Gospel of John, chapter number 11, and verse 23 is where we're going to begin today. And as we're starting a new series today called I Will Rise, everybody say this with me. I, I will, will rise. Stand with me as we read God's word this morning, as you rise to your feet. The Bible says in the Gospel of John, chapter number 11, in verse 23, and this is the story of Lazarus, and Jesus is coming into a city, and Martha runs out to meet him and begins to talk to him, and this is where the account takes place, and Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, and Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he shall live, and everyone who lives and believes in me, he shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, a son of God who has come into this world. And the Bible says, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now listen to me. And anytime Jesus declares that I am something, you need to be ready because when he declares I am something, it changed your life. Because Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. He lives out on the inside of you. He's in your heart, and it's the very power of God that raised Jesus from the grave that the Bible says lives on the inside of you. So when Jesus starts out declaring, I am the resurrection and the life, some of y'all better get excited because you're fixing to rise from the dead this morning. Amen? Some of you are fixing to rise up above your circumstances, above your conditions, above your questions, and above your critics today. Some of you have been so beaten down in this life that you literally, though you know you're born again, though you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're literally dead in this world, but get ready because when Jesus declared he is the resurrection and the life, he had every intention of you rising up again above your problems, circumstances, questions, and critics in this lifetime. And so get ready. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. So he doesn't just have a plan for you to rise again. He has a plan for you to start living like never before. Amen. Are you ready to rise again? Are you ready for a life-changing experience today? See, we got a lot of people who come to church, and especially on Easter Sunday, that literally they're just kind of existing, not really living. But today is your day to literally rise again and be all that God's called you to be here in this earth. And so when Jesus declared, I am the resurrection, I am the life, he says you now have the opportunity to not just rise again, but begin to live in a way that you've never lived before. You actually get to live on a higher level. But then he asked Martha a pointed question that was strictly to her, and he looked her straight in the eyes, and he said a question. Do you believe this? The question I have for you this morning is, do you believe this? As Jesus is the resurrection and the life, I know a lot of us good Christian people, we stand around and say, yes, I believe this, but. Well, we're going to deal with those issues today. All around you see all this construction equipment that we know that you use it in building something big, something massive. And what we want you to get the image of or the picture of throughout this series of not God just building a house out of you, but God using this church and building this church into a very high-rise building like a skyscraper. I love going into major cities because I love looking at the big buildings and I really because I'm crazy I want to go to New York one day and you can have a run that you run all the way to the top of the Empire State Building and I just really would like to see if I could make all 1,000 some odd steps that there are and the many flights of stairs that they are that go up and up and up and you don't seem to quit but I want you to get the picture of you not just being something little in the body of Christ but you being a part of something major in the body of Christ now many of us we have our own little lives and our own little circumstances we live in our own little worlds and we're simply built on a foundation that sustains our own little world. 
How many of you know the foundation of a house is completely different than the foundation of a sky-rise building? You look at a house being built and you can see the foundation being poured and you see the concrete just laying there all nice and it's got rebar running through it because you know how a concrete slab is built. But when you begin to look at a skyscraper being built, they're built completely different. In fact, the whole foundation is built completely different. The starting of a skyscraper, they start digging deep way below the earth because the first thing they got to do is they got to get to something hard called the bedrock or the hard clay foundation that the building doesn't shift on anymore. And when they get to that point, they don't just build one massive foundation. What they do is they have footings that are set in. And they're called spread footings. And the fact of the matter is they have several of these all across the bottom of a skyscraper. And what they do is they pour a concrete square. And then on top of the concrete square, they put I-beams going this way. And then on top of them, they put them going this way. And then they put them back this way and then going this way. And they pyramid them up until they get into a smaller square on top where an iron plate is set on that. And on set on that iron plate, you have an I beam that runs straight up the length of the skyscraper and when it goes straight up to the length of the skyscraper they have these footings all over the bottom of the skyscraper then they fill all that in with concrete so when the weight of the building starts setting it is not contingent on one part of the slab but it's spread out and dispersed equally across the bottom of the whole skyscraper now some of y'all are thinking wow how did he know all that man i'm smart like that i'm a doctor didn't you know Just kidding. So all the pressure begins to spread across the total foundation. And the fact of the matter is when the ground starts shift, the building doesn't waver. When the storms that come in on the east coast, these skyscrapers are built in such a fashion that the winds and the rain can beat against them. And literally the building can sway up top. But because the foundation has been built so good and so proper and all the weight is equally dispersed on these spread apart footings that are there, the building can waver up top and the foundation never crack on the bottom. Amen? And so what God is trying to get in your mindset this morning is that some of you need to get a different foundation. Some of you have a house foundation that will sustain you and where you're at in this life, but God doesn't want you to stay where you're at in this life. God needs to get a different foundation on the inside of you, one that he can build something on that you will rise above the normal Christianity in this world, something that you will rise above and you will be the light to a lost and dying world out there. Some of you this morning need to get a different foundation, and no, don't go doctor theology on me and say no one can lay any other foundation Paul said it I'm not trying to erase your foundation of Jesus Christ I'm trying to fix the foundation with the one question this morning of many of you in this life have asked the question does he love me the title of this morning's message is this does he love me now I know the good Christian answer is this oh pastor we know that Jesus loves us the Bible says he died for us I know that you know up here that Jesus loves you but many of us question the fact does Jesus really love me in three ways We question the love of Jesus in our approach to him. We question the love of Jesus in our actions toward him. And we question the love of Jesus in our conversation about him. And we're going to discuss those three issues this morning. Because we can't rise above and we can't become greater. And we can't let God build something amazing out of this church until we start answering the tough questions that will crack household foundations, but skyscrapers survive it. When we begin to answer the tough questions of, does Jesus love me? We'll begin to see God put a foundation on the inside of us that we can withstand the storms of life the winds of life the hurricanes that come in the tsunamis that hit us and the typhoons that rampage against us god's trying to build that foundation let's go to the account of lazarus here in the gospel of john and we believe that we're going to rise again but listen as we begin this account and i want you this week if you would please read all of john chapter number 11 i need you to read john chapter number 11 this week and it's going to be in your daily bible readings because this is what this whole six to eight week series is going to be built on it's going to be based on this whole story of the account of lazarus and we're going to deal with 
all the foundational issues that Christians face in their life that we've never been able to rise above the questions, the critics, the circumstances, and the conditions of this life because our foundation has only been built for where we're at now and hasn't been built to sustain us so God can build something amazing out of us. Now listen as I begin to talk to you about this account in verse number 3. Many of us simply question the love of Jesus and the approach that we take to him. Listen to how this account starts in verse number 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. The one whom you love is ill. Now I want to stop right there because that right there in our very approach to Jesus begins to question his love for us. Jesus, the one whom you love is ill. Now notice the sisters didn't come up to him, Katrina, and say, Jesus, you know Lazarus, your good buddy from back over here. Um, it's ill. Can you come take care of him? No, they put a pointed uh, uh, question in their approach and they went up to Jesus and said, Jesus, you know the one you love? He, he's sick right now. Can you come heal him? You know the one you love? Well, let me put it in today's term. Many of us in our approach to God, we question him in our very approach to him. Hey God, you know it's me, Joel T. Meyer down here in Sulphur Springs, Texas. You know the one who pastors the church. You know the one who never misses. the. You know the one who's dedicated to you and we had a good Friday service and two Sunday morning services. You know the one who's always faithful, never misses. God, do, do you remember me? Hey God, this man right here, because somehow you think God's forgotten about you, you think you have to go to him with credentials to get him to respond because literally it's a lack of your knowledge of his love for you. Many of us, we approach God with the approach of, hey God, you know, do you remember me? Hey God, you know it's the one down here, I'm the greeter at church, I never miss. I don't ask very much, but God, now I really need something. Do you know who I am? Listen, God knows who you are. Your name was engraved on his heart before the foundations of the earth were ever laid. And we don't need to question the love of God. But many Christians question the love of God by our simple approach to how we approach God. Now the Bible says this, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, not questioning. See, a lot of our prayers never get answered because we think we're approaching it with confidence, but we're approaching it with questioning. What do I mean? The big difference is many of you approach the throne of grace with questioning because you ask it like this. Hey, God, do you remember me? I'm the one who does this. And you got to dish out your resume before God. And when you approach him because you're questioning his own love for you, when you approach him with that manner, the only thing you're doing is proving how much you really don't believe that he loves you. How many of you have ever been a boss or a manager in a certain scenario in life? And you know the people who come to me you and say, you know, I did this right, and I did this right, and I did this right, and I did all this, and I took care of this, and I handled that, and hey, I got everything done for you, perfect, recognize me. The only thing they're telling you is you're not ready to be promoted to management because you still need the recognition. My boss once told me when I was working at a grocery store, he said, you know when I walk the store and I see nothing wrong and I don't praise you, that means you're finally doing your job right because I see nothing wrong. I have no reason to critique or criticize you because nothing's wrong. You're finally doing your job right. Then you're ready to be promoted. But every time you come to me and say, hey, recognize me. Look what I did. Look at the extra effort I put out. Look at all this. I was questioning my approval in his eyes. And so I had to bring him my resume of how good I was in his eyes. Many of us, we question God's love for us because we try to bring him our resume. We try to bring him who we are, what we've accomplished. Hey, God, you know it's me. I was the one who prayed for the sick lady at work and question the love of God by our simple approach to him. Many of you in your prayers, you're wondering why God hasn't changed circumstances in your life, hasn't changed conditions in your life, hasn't changed questions that you've had, hasn't risen you above the critics. It's because 
you're still questioning his love for you in your simple approach to him. Well, maybe your approach isn't like that, but let's look at the actions that you have before Jesus, and let's see if you question the love of God in your actions before Jesus. The Bible says in John 11, verse 20 through 22, it says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Now, listen, God bless Martha. We're going to have a whole sermon on Martha, and if you are like me and you are a Martha, you're going to need that sermon. I'm not going to tell you what it is because all the Marthas are going to skip, okay? And all the Marys will be here. And then on the Mary message, all the Marys are going to skip. And just the Marthas will be here. And then you'll both be pointing at one another. Ooh, this message is for so-and-so. Verse 20 through 22. So Martha heard that Jesus was coming. And she went out and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give it to you. Now, that sounds like a great faith statement, doesn't it? That sounds like somebody, wow, this woman really has it together. Her brother just died. Listen, Jesus had been gone for a long time. Jesus was some of their good friends, some of their best friends. In fact, Jesus stayed in their house and he met with them and he ate with them on a regular basis. Jesus was their good friends. Notice when Jesus not even into the city yet, Martha runs out and meet him and this is what she said. Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Hey, good to see you too. We approach God and question his love in our actions and we don't even realize it. We run up to God and say, God, why did you not come through for me? I was believing for this promotion and God, I was trusting that you would do it and God, I was believing and I was trusting. By your response to you not getting promoted, you just prove why you weren't promoted. It's not about your actions on the job, it's about your actions before your God. We run up to God, oh God, if you had only showed up two days earlier, my electric bill would have gotten paid. If you equate the love of God to your electric bill, you got a lot more than foundational issues. If you equate the love of God to whether you got healed of your head cold last week or not, you got more than love issues. When you begin to equate the love of God to things and circumstances and conditions that haven't changed in your time, we begin to get off track and question the love of God. I remembered certain instances in my life in pastoring a church when God showed me exactly the reason why our church wasn't growing. And it wasn't because everybody was doing something so wrong. It's because I was questioning his love for me. I would see other churches growing around the world and even in Sulphur Springs, and I would say, God, I'm so grateful that they're growing but what about me? We've been faithful. We hadn't quit. We hadn't stopped. We've been pressing on. We've been praying just right. We've been fasting just right. We've read all the right books. We've, God, we're ready for this. Really? You're questioning it. And I'm equating the love of God to circumstances in my life. And when I begin to question the love of God because of circumstances, it shows that I got a foundational issue that I got to get repaired before God can grow me. I got to change it. Throughout this series, you're going to get to know me very well because I'm going to let you into a very personal side of my life that I usually try to keep hidden. Now listen, me and Sherry have dealt with this on a number of occasions in our life. It's time many of you went with us through it. We were believing God for a baby, and we'd pray for other couples to have babies, and they would get pregnant, and we'd sit here, oh, thank you, Jesus, where's my kid? <laughs> but we were ready, <laughs> and we'd pray for other people to have kids, and they'd be like, woohoo, we're pregnant. We're like, yay, we're so excited for you. And the whole time we'd come to the altar, thank you, Jesus, we're praising Jesus, where's my kid? Jesus, we love you. Where's my answer? See, it looks good from y'all's point of view. Oh, they're just such a good couple believing Jesus. No. <laughs> We're questioning the love of God. My wife will tell you, I'm not lying. She's not trying to cover for me. She'll say, yeah, you're right. And we'd be blessing other people and miracles would be happening. We would pray for people who were sick and naked. We still couldn't have a baby. And we'd go before God. Jesus, if you would only show up and bless us with a kid, think of the great miracle it would be for the church. <laughs> Now they're like, if that's a miracle, I don't know if we need any more of them, Pastor. 
And we would question the love of God simply by our actions. See, when God's not answering your prayer on your time frame, it may not be God holding something back from you. It may be God saying, you need to change and adjust your foundation a little bit in your life so that way when I bless you, your foundation can sustain not the house I'm trying to build, but the skyscraper that I'm trying to erect because you're not supposed to be just for Sulphur Springs. You're supposed to shine around the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to get so deep into this Lazarus story. Man, God's going to answer a ton of your questions throughout this series. When you begin to rise, God's going to bless your life. So we question God in our approach. We question God in our actions. But now we begin to question God in our conversation. You know how good spiritual people do it. We begin to question God in the very area of our conversation. Now listen to this verse of scripture towards the end of the chapter of John 11. And it's verse 37 and it says, But some said to them, now this is the crowd of people that had gathered around because they were talking to Mary and Martha. But some said to Mary and Martha, or the family, This Jesus, this God, this Jesus that you love so much, could he not who have opened the eyes of the blind kept this man from dying? Surely we're all saying we would never say that. But let me give you a modern day scenario. You're at your workplace. You're with your family. You're chilling on a good Sunday Easter afternoon talking about how great the pastor's message was. Amen. How wonderful it is. And you get in these conversations and, you know, something's just still hasn't been answered in your life and you're going to be careful to, on your approach and you're going to be careful on your actions. And so what we do is we begin to say, well, let's just talk about it and discuss it together. And we begin to talk about the things that are going on in our life that just aren't so perfect with everybody else that's going on. And we begin to vent our frustrations on why things haven't occurred just the way we thought they should have occurred. Me and Jerry sit down for lunch, and we just begin to discuss, well, you know, if God really was God, then why couldn't he just drop $100,000 in Jerry and Junior's checking account and kick them out the door to Costa Rica so they can go happily on their missionary way? I know those questions have gone through y'all's head. I know they've gone through my head. God, why can't, if you really love us, and it'd be a great miracle for the church, if you just dropped us a check and just miraculously paid all this off, Everybody's like, yes, I would love it. I got to watch my conversations with people. Even in sometimes in our conversations, the way we phrase it, it'll be questioning the love of God and the love that he has for us rather than trusting in the plan that he's bringing us through to get us where he's called us to be in this lifetime. Now, we need to begin to trust God and his plan more than our conversation because here's how I know that we question God's love in our conversation. Because, Cody, when we begin to question God's love in conversation, we don't go to people who are more spiritually mature than us. We go to people who aren't because we want them to sympathize with our questioning. We want them to sympathize with our struggles. We want them to sympathize with where we're at, where we're at, Mitch, not try to get us above to where God's called us to be. I know it when people finally get serious about their questioning the love of God in their conversation because they'll quit talking to everybody else in the church about it and they'll finally come to me or a pastor in the church and we'll give them the answers they need to get spiritually mature enough to get them to where they're called to be. Thank you, Jesus. But some people, nobody in this room... Question Jesus in their very conversation. See, the fact that you'll go to everybody else but him shows that you question his love for you. See, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Some of us actually have a fear, and you don't even realize it, of going before God with your questions because you're afraid of the answer because then you might have to change, and they might not be wrong, and you could be wrong. You know, if I ever begin not to embrace change in my spiritual walk, take me home to be with the Lord. Because that means I think I've arrived, and I know until I'm seeing my Jesus face to face, I haven't arrived. And if I ever begin to question God in my 
questioning or my conversation, questioning his love, God can never build something amazing and miraculous out of me. See, the thing about this spreading foundation or this spread footing that it's called that creates this great foundation is that if one area is off just by a little bit, it can cause the whole building to tilt and not be profitable. You know, there's a popular place in Italy called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And we've all seen the picture of it. It's this building that's done like this. And I was like, what crazy person built that building crooked? Well, they didn't build it crooked. They built it on a bad foundation. And because they didn't go deep enough and have the right foundation of the footings, over time it's done this. And the true fact of the matter is now they have stabilized it to be leaning because if they didn't, it would have already crumpled over and crashed by now. See, God's trying to get you to a place in your Christian walk that you'll begin to adjust the foundations of your life. Begin to adjust the foundations of your life, beginning with questioning the love of God for you. Beginning with questioning how much he loves you. Does he unconditionally love you? Does he love me as much as he says he does? And when he can adjust that foundation to get you to a place where you know that he loves you, despite your circumstances, conditions, your questions, and your critics in this earth, God can then begin to build something out of you. And through all these things that I've just thrown out at you, your approach to God, God answers your approach to him because he's already approached you. Now listen, I'm going to give you an answer to every one of these questions that I just brought up. Many of us approach God, or question God and our approach to him. Listen what the Bible says. This is how much God truly loves you. The Bible says, while you were yet sinner in Romans 5.8, while you were yet a sinner, God sent his son and Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. See, God doesn't answer your approach with a backhand or a rebuttal. God answers your approach with an approach. See, God will come to you in the same measure that you come to him in. See, when you begin to approach God, God says, no, 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 I've already approached you. See, the Bible even says this, no one can come unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So even though you think you're going to God with an approach, God's already approached you because the Holy Spirit's drawing you. God's already approached you because the Bible says, well, you are yet sinners, he died for you. And so if you're going to begin to question the love of Jesus Christ and God's love for you, listen, God says, I'm going to question your approach with my own approach. If I don't love you, then why did I die for you? If I don't love you while you were yet a sinner and, and Mitch, you hated him and you despised him and I've rejected him while I was yet a sinner, God already approached me and has showed his great love for me and showed his passion for my life. We question God's love for us with an approach. God answered with an approach. We question God's love for us in our actions. God answers with actions. The Bible says this in Isaiah 55, it says, he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, yet we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne already and carried away our sorrows and our griefs. We esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted by him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep that have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own ways. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that was before its shears, he was silent. So he not opened his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. As for his generation, who is considered that he cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, 
Although he had done no violence, there was no deceit in his mouth. We question God in our actions. God's already answered our questions with his actions. See, many of us, we run to God and said, God, if you would just have shown up, he already showed up. He already showed up through Jesus Christ, his one and only son. He's already given you the answers to your circumstances, conditions, questions, and your critics that are in this life. Some of you say, we've, how have I questioned God in my conversation? And we went through that scenario, how we've questioned God in conversation. But listen to what I said through that point. We'll talk to everybody else, but when we get serious, we'll start talking to God. God answers the approach to the conversation with this conversation. Listen to what the Bible says in Revelation 3.20. It says... And this is Jesus talking here because it's written in red. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he will eat with me. See, in Jewish tradition, eating together at the table meant conversation. It meant you talked and discussed things. It meant you handled business and you handled problems. It means you discussed the goods, the bads, and the uglies of your life and the circumstances that went on. Jesus said, you question me in your conversation. Listen, I'm standing at your door knocking, saying, I want to come in and I want to talk to you about how much I love you. I want to talk to you about how much I want to give you, how much I want to show you. If you'll open up and have conversation with me, I can talk to you and I can tell you how much I love you. Jesus is knocking this morning. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm going to ask you this morning, what are the circumstances of your life? The circumstances of your life are the things you cannot change. There are certain things in your life that happened to you that you had no power over, that just seemed to be come out of nowhere, and those are the circumstances of your life. Some of you feel like I was just dealt a bad hand, Pastor. Those are the circumstances of your life. You were raised in a broken home. I was dealt a bad hand. Those are the circumstances you live in. God wants to rise you above your circumstances. God wants to rise you above your past, above your childhood, above your history, above the things that were dealt to you that you had no control over. He wants to rise you above them. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, not the one who made you live so you had to suffer. I'm the resurrection and the life. He wants to rise you above your conditions. What are your conditions? Many of you are in the condition you're in because of decisions you've made. Your personal life, your spiritual life is in the conditions in because of the decisions you've made. And listen, I, I'm not sitting here trying to pass judgment. Man, I've made poor decisions in my life at times. But listen, God wants to rise you above the conditions of your life. He wants to rise you above the conditions of your financial state. Some of you sit here and think, God, if he really loved me, he would pay off all my bills to prove his love for me. The Bible says, well, we were yet sinners, he died for us. He already proved his love. The fact that God would pay off every one of your bills, it wouldn't change your conditions because you haven't had a mindset change. This is why 90% of the people who win the lottery are broke within two and a half years. Paying off their bills didn't help. It didn't change their condition because their condition was not outwardly. Their condition was inwardly. God wants to change your mindset and rise you above your conditions. God wants to rise you above your questions. We question God in our conversation. He's already answered that one too. This is what he says in Revelations. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. See, God wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to somebody else. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open and let me in, I will come and sup with him and fellowship with him. See, the desire of God to conversate with us is way more than our desire to conversate with him. And when we question God in our conversation, God says, why are you conversating with somebody who doesn't have the answer you're looking for? He's got an open invitation this morning that says, come. Now, I don't know what part of your foundation has to be rearranged today. See, when you build a high-rise building, there are a myriad of those square foot standings that I was talking to you about. 
And just one of yours may need to be replaced this morning. Because your one footing may have church hurt written on it. Your one footing this morning may have divorce written on it. Your one footing this morning may have lust or pornography written on it. Your one footing this morning may have an addiction written on it. Your one footing this morning may have work issues written on it. Your one issue this morning may have an issue like that nobody knows about, like Sherry and I were going through years ago trying to have a baby. We're believing and we're trusting God. It may have an issue on it. Your one issue this morning may be financial issues that you just can't bring yourself to tithe because you don't really know that God can come through and you're questioning him with your answers. Your one issue this morning, your one footing this morning that may need to be replaced, I don't know what it could be in your life, but the the problem is when one of the footings is bad, it can cause a whole empire to crumble and a whole sky rise to fall to the ground. God didn't say you would fall. He said you would rise. And the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. So if you're beating yourself up saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe I was questioning the love of God. The Bible doesn't say a righteous man wouldn't fall. The Bible says a righteous man rises back up. 